Hey girl, welcome to Kinsco World, the online playground for boss babe entrepreneurs like you. Here in this realm, we're all about bringing your dream business to life. Let's get to it. Emily Benson of Stylish and Successful on Instagram, but she is going to be talking about, she is doing a little rebrand team that I'm excited to talk about, but she is a boutique coach. She's owned a successful boutique. She does all the things. She's an all around badass. I'm obsessed with her. I'm so excited she came on my podcast and I'm so excited for you guys to get to know her. How are you, Emily? Oh my God. Ken. <laughs> I've been obsessed with you for a long time and <laughs> out. Yeah. So I'm really excited to talk to your people because like you seem to like have this massive obsessed following, which I'm, I love. <laughs> yeah, they're the best and they need you too. They need to be just as obsessed with you as I am. Okay. So first, like tell us a little bit about your first business that was your fashion truck that was really successful. So how did you get into that? And what did your process look like going from having a corporate job, like working in fashion to going on your own? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I feel like I'm one of the few boutique coaches out there who I feel like I've kind of done it all. Like I'm a weird unicorn where I immediately left school. So I went to college for surface pattern design, which is oh, like- I did not know that. Yeah. So I have like an artist background technically. And then I went into merchandising. So I worked for big companies like Abercrombie & Fitch, Club Monaco, Henry Bendel, which so sad doesn't exist anymore, mm. but in its heyday was very- chic and cool yeah (laughs) um and then honestly I just sort of got burnt out like I just was in these meetings being like oh like these CEOs just like aren't listening to me like I feel like I could do this better you know the typical like mid-20s like I'm invincible I can (laughs) I'm better than (laughs) you know Um, which in some ways like I did feel like I was ahead of the trend I did feel like I like knew what was next and I felt like I wasn't being always heard in a corporate setting or, or whatever I was saying was sort of being diluted. And I, I just felt like my voice wasn't important a lot of the time. And so it really got me started on wanting to be an entrepreneur. I knew I always wanted to have a boutique. Like literally since I was 16, 17, there was this one store in our town where I was like, I want to live above it and like make my <laughs> coffee and go down to my little storefront and So I definitely had that sort of stored in the back of my brain that like eventually I would have my boutique. Um, But really I started in the truck because I was living in Manhattan and I saw food trucks everywhere. This was like 2009, 2010. And I just figured like, okay, I'm too like itchy to really like do a brick and mortar store. Like I don't think I could actually sit and do that. So this truck idea just felt so cool and new and no one was really doing it. So I actually, of course, like bought the domain names in November of 2010. Like I bought like the fashion truck.com, Emily's fashion truck, like all these different ones. And then in January of 2011, so like two months later, I got laid off from my job. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was like the universe like shoved me. And I had been like, you know how it goes when you have an idea. Like I was sketching Mm -hmm. in meetings and I was like stocking food trucks and I was, you know, like I was in my corporate job, but like my head wasn't always in it. So I totally was just like living two lives kind of, you know, this like half entrepreneur, one foot in that world, one foot in my corporate job. 
And it was just like kind of divine timing, honestly. Like I look back now and I remember being in the meeting where they're like laying me off. And I was like, I literally said to them, don't worry. In six months, you'll see the fashion truck on the road. Oh my gosh. I love that confidence. It was not me. I think I left my body, honestly. It was like, I look back and I'm like, wow, like, like, I don't know where that voice came from. Yeah. But I think I had just been, you know, I've been doing all the things. I've been taking classes at FIT. Like I had been making mood boards all the time, you know? And I think finally the universe was like, hi, we're just going to shove you out because you're not going to do this unless you're kicked out of corporate. Cause I was good at corporate and I liked it and it was safe. And, you know, and it was, I don't know. I think once you get in that nine to five, which fashion in New York is really like 7am to 8pm every day. I mean, you work your butt off. Um, I just think finally it was like, all right, let's go. Let's do this. Like you don't have a mortgage. You don't have kids. You don't, you're not even in a relationship. Like just go start your business. <laughs> yeah. I love it when the universe does that. It seems like it does it to a lot of people where it's like, okay, go do this thing. I was in the same exact position when I like did my thing. It's, it's a lot easier when you have no people like waiting on you or whatever to go and take risks. Yeah. So what did that look? Did you take out a loan? Did you have money sit? Like what was your process of actually starting it? I mean, I was like a poor New York girl. I mean, I made good money, but living in New York, it's just. Yeah. It seems so hard. Like that thought seems overwhelming. Yeah, it takes all your money away. And it's interesting because I feel like I probably could have saved better. Like if you're in your 20s <laughs> and you're listening, like, save yeah. money. Um, <laughs> because I think in your 20s, you're like, I'm rich. Like, yeah. I'm just going to have so much money. Um, but honestly, like, for me, it was this six-month process where January I got laid off. I was living in New York. And within about a month, I, I was still interviewing. Like I interviewed anthropology. I like had some good leads, you know, on some other corporate jobs. But every job interview I went on, like it just didn't feel right. And so still I was like, I was writing a business plan, going to banks, trying to get like credit loans. This was in 2011. So the market crashed 2008, 2009. They were not giving loans out. So it was really like if you wanted a small business loan, basically you weren't going to get it. So I ended up going to some family members, um, and then doing like a line of credit. So kind of pieced together. I think if someone out there needs, a, like I needed $30,000 to start, you know, my truck was around 16,000 just to buy the truck. Um, and then, you know, obviously getting inventory, outfitting it, you know, I did it as like minimally as possible. Like, <laughs> But I knew I had to move out of the city. I knew I didn't want to start in Manhattan because honestly, the rules and the regulations there are not conducive to a truck. So I got rid of my apartment or I, I like found a new roommate for my three bedroom. Um, <laughs> and I moved back in with my parents like at the end of March. And they were like, listen, like we're not ready to invest in you. Like we don't know where this is going, but we will give you, like you can move back in with us and well, we won't charge you rent, which the parents are very strict. And so they were like, we'll give you one year of free rent. And then you have to like, we'll negotiate the rent after that. And I was like, okay, I, I love them dearly, but they are just like very strict yeah, about yeah, like, yeah. they want me to be independent almost. So it's probably like what's given you such like a drive. Totally. I mean, my dad will always say like when 
when your butt's on fire is when you actually take action. <laughs> so like, I just think he, like he has always been an entrepreneur and um, my mom's a nurse. So she's much more like risk averse, but my dad has always been the one that, you know, he always says to me, like, I'd rather bet on you than the stock market. Like, Aww. you know, he's always like pushing me, but also it's kind of like a hard ass. <laughs> he's just he's tough you know and he's he's an artist so he's like you know he's he's always pushing me so at first it was just like you can move back in and like we'll give you space to keep the truck you know they lived in the suburbs so there was like space to have all that stuff and not worry about it but I basically borrowed like around 30,000 from various situations and um pieced together loans um which I actually to like what? go like you don't have a job and like to take out that much money like were you like freaking out I was freaking out I was freaking out but here's the thing so the summer that I moved home I was so I had a year of unemployment because I got laid off so that was like six hundred dollars every two weeks like it wasn't that much but it was at least like okay there's something I can like pay for gas and you know like I could maybe have a little bit of a life yeah. and then I also took a nannying job that summer and I nannied like three or four days a week during the day so I'd get up at like 6 30 be at the house by 7 I nannied 7 a.m to 6 p.m did email like kind of ran the business as I could you know it was like family friends um but you know that was also money coming in so it wasn't just like I didn't just drop everything and like immediately, like I was totally bootstrapping and totally just figuring it out as I went. And like, you know, I'd take like night babysitting jobs if I, you know, someone heard, oh, Emily's home, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I can babysit, I can fill in here or there. Um, so it was really, it was me just hustling and like putting together, okay, this money is just for the truck. This money is money that like I can live on and not feel like I'm super poor. It's <laughs> like yeah. I was just making a ton. I mean, I had a hundred thousand dollar a year job that I got laid off. So it was not like I, you know, wasn't making a lot. Like, oh, yeah. Me. What was that like that lifestyle switch? Like going from because it even in New York, you still can kind of do what you want at a hundred thousand a year. So how was it like was that your ego just suffering like a huge blow? I feel like I would be like <laughs> my was, ego would be very damaged. It was really hard. And uh, trust me, when you're around your parents and I'm like, Oh, can we get like Thai delivery food? And they're like, Emily, first of all, the closest Thai place is like three towns away. And <laughs> There's no such thing as delivery out here. Like, what are you talking about? Like, my mom still says, like, it took me a year or two to, like, get New York out of my system. Yeah. I was definitely, like, used to a certain level of, like, creature comforts of mm -hmm. living in the city, having access to a lot of things. Even dating. I mean, honestly, like, I moved to the suburbs of Boston and was like, you know, I'm 28 years old. I'm like, how am I ever going to meet someone? Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, mm -hmm. I don't want to date the weird guy from high school. Like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. so it was definitely an adjustment. I like got on OkCupid because that was, it was cool. And I, you know, like I tried to have a normal life. I had a couple friends that still lived in the area. So I would make sure like we had girls nights or like we'd go out to dinner in the city just so I felt like I still had that part of me. Because I think also coming from the hot, like, I was in like fast fashion. I mean, like I was going to cool parties where like yeah. on rooftops where Robin Thicke was like playing <laughs> a private concert. You know what I mean? Like I went from this like really big time fashion girl life to like, 
living with my parents and oh my grandmother moved in with my parents for a couple months literally oh two gosh. days before I moved in so I'm living with my 90 year old grandmother and my parents in one house being like oh my god like <laughs> what am I doing like why am I doing this did you ever feel like you had made the wrong decision was there ever times that you were like crap like I should go get another job you know what Yes and no. Like, so I had that moment about, I want to say like two years in, I had that moment um, where I was just tired. Like, I just was like, is this really, like, I just feel like I'm not making enough money. Like, I just, I don't feel like I'm screwing up every day. And this was before I knew anything about mindset work. Like, Mm -hmm. this was pre, like, spiritual mindset, Emily, completely. So it was definitely, that's why I talk about it so much now, because I think if I had had a great mindset coach back then, I might still have a boutique, Mm. like totally. So I actually applied for a couple jobs at one point and had interviews and, you know, Greg said to me, it was funny, we, I had interviews and then we went on a trip for a week to a friend's wedding in Oregon and we're out walking in Oregon and, you know, my, my now husband said to me, you know, Emily, like, if you get a job, like we can't do this anymore. Like this, this is off the table. Like you're going to be commuting. You're going to be, you know, tied to a desk. Like, is this really what you want? You know? And so it was good. We had that trip. Cause I think it just from my, again, the universe saying like, yo, are you sure you want to sit in a car for an hour and a half and commute to a job every day? You know, back in like, you're crazy. So I definitely had moments where I was over it. I think the first year I was literally running on adrenaline, just like pure, like I'm going to get this done. And I had successes. Like I was in newspapers. Like I, you know, I was being recognized in Boston because it's not a fashion city really. And because I was like hooking up with the fashion editors at certain newspapers and I kind of knew how to navigate the fashion scene, I was definitely getting more press and more like positive recognition than I was getting anything else. So I, I went and sought those activities out, like fashions night out when that was a thing. Like I was like out on the streets of Boston, like participating on my own because I was just making it up, you know? Um, I was finding places to park. Like it was just like really hustling, like emailing as many people, telling them about what I was doing and just getting the word out. I think that's the thing with entrepreneurs and boutiques in particular is we live in this very insular headspace, but the thing that's going to get you out there and make sales is like telling people what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Now, even if it is just your online boutique, you know, like, of course I had this spectacle truck that I jumped out of, you know, in a dress and pumped (laughs) gas in, like it was so crazy. (laughs) But I definitely think that's like one of my biggest tips for new, new boutiques is like do a press release, like send it to people, people, marketing people, writers, journalists, they're looking for material. They're looking for things to write about, give them something to write about. And that was one of my huge things. Like I was in the Boston Herald on page three, like, yeah, I mean, I was named like a Boston Globe, um, best new idea my first year. I was on TV a couple times on like local cable news. Um, I was just always looking for like, who can I connect with in this fashion space in Boston? Because it's such a small community. I was like going to the fashion club meetups in the city. Like I was just out there going crazy. And then the next year is when like InStyle came and Lucky Magazine and I was Mm -hmm. featured in them. And, you know, 
part of that I think was my hustling. Part of that was also, I was ahead of the trend Mm -hmm. and I have the band-aid name. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not a bandage. I'm the fashion truck. You know, I'm not a mobile boutique. I'm the fashion truck. So I'm like the most Googled. I'm the most found. My page gets, you know, was getting a ton of hits. Um, So yeah, it was, man, it was cool. That first year or two, I was like flying. I think that's a lot of like now with social media, people forget about the power of press. And because everybody's forgetting, there's like still such an opening for people to make their way into that avenue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to think. I have I have friends that uh, some of my best friends are journalists or went to journalism school, worked in newsrooms, worked for magazines, and you know they continually remind me that journalists are always looking for something cool to write about. And if you have, you can write the story for the journalist. And in that press release, you are, you know, figuring out what your pitch is and why you're special and, you know, what makes you different. A journalist is going to see that and pick it up. And they might not immediately do it. It might be in a month or two when it's a very slow news day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But eventually, you know, if you keep in contact with these people, it will, you will get some press. And I think that is a very easy way to like gain new followers, which everyone's always looking for. Yeah. And in a way that nobody else is doing it. So they might even be like higher quality of like excited followers. Totally. I mean, I've been in over like 50 magazines and newspapers, like internationally, like I, it's insane. Like the fashion truck was just like this phenomenon that, you know, I was really early on the trend. I was good at it. Like I had a good logo. I had, you know, I did the branding right, which I'm so glad that you teach that because it's a huge piece of what so many boutique owners are not focused on. They're focused on the assortment or they're focused on their, you know, their name. And they just don't understand that it's the whole package. It's the photos, it's the filters, it's the, the letter, you know, the fonts, the colors, it's all that stuff. And because I have that design background, I came out the gate knowing that, you know? Yeah. So what would you say to somebody if they don't have as unique of an idea as you, like a lot of boutiques maybe feel like they're selling the same things or whatever. How would you say to kind of stand out from the crowd? I think the biggest things for me are like, have a perspective on style that's Mm -hmm. uniquely yours. So I think a lot of what you talk about in terms of tapping into your authentic voice and your authentic attitude and like who you really are at the core, that's going to set you apart no matter what. Because I think so many of us, you know, I see this in new boutique owners all the time. They just go on to the wholesale sites. They click best of the best. They see what's selling or they, you know, go to other successful boutiques or who they think are successful and buy what they're buying. And it just is so diluted. Like it's not you and it doesn't feel authentic. Like you have to absolutely love what you sell. And I always said, you know, I'm six foot one. I am not a size zero. <laughs> like, you know, I definitely can't wear certain colors cause I have, you know, pale skin, all that chat. <laughs> but I think at the end of the day, you have to, in your store, be willing to wear everything in it. Like even if there was a blush colored dress, like I would want to wear it, even though it would look terrible on me. <laughs> you know, like, that's the thing. That's that key. Is like you have to be freaking obsessed with everything you buy, and that's what a lot of people are missing. So that's one piece of it. The other way you stand out is by like actually using your voice, like having good copy, like using the Instagram filters in a unique way. Like I go to so many people's Instagram profiles, and I'm like, you could be anyone. 
Like you could be anyone. Mm -hmm. You really have to, like, if you love neon colors, like do everything in neon. Like if you love muted neutral tones, do everything in muted neutral tones. Like you have to figure out, I think, who you are first. And then from that, translate it into a brand. And totally. again, that's what you teach. Like just yeah. follow pins and do what you say. <laughs> no, but it's like interesting to think of it in the boutique perspective. Cause it's like, the thing is me and like another boutique owner could wear the exact same things, but the way I'm going to show up, if I'm truly showing up and doing things that I love, it would look completely different than this other person. Totally. It's the styling piece of it too, is like mm-hmm. taking it to the next level. I think as boutique owners, we forget that women that are want to shop with us don't know how to style things. Mm-hmm. They see an item and they think, well, how would I wear that? You know, how would I, what pants am I going to put it with? Do I belt it? What accessories do I wear? It's our job as a boutique owner to show people that. That's why, you know, when I had a brick and mortar store, my, my truck turned into a brick and mortar as well. And I loved having my windows. Mm-hmm. And so, so, Side note, my brick and mortar store was the store that I dreamed of when I was 17 was the same location. So like, gosh, stop. Total manifesting. Like that's amazing. Came for lease at the perfect time, had these huge, beautiful windows on main street. And I sold more things off mannequins than anything else. Whatever I would put in the window, people would pull over and say, I want that because they could see themselves in it. They could say like, oh my gosh, I love the shape of it. You know, so often we think, oh, we can do flat lays. You know, flat lays don't sell a lot of things because people can't actually see how it's going to look on their body. And frankly, a lot of clothes, we used to, when I worked at Abercrombie & Fitch, we used to do walkthroughs every week. We had mock stores on campus where we worked. So Hollister had a store, Abercrombie Kids, big, normal Abercrombie. There was literally like, duplicate stores, okay, exact to like the fixtures to the lighting. Mm-hmm. And we would go through walkthroughs and our CEO would say, that doesn't look good on a table. Let's hang it. You know, oh, that, that doesn't look as good um, hanging. Let's put it on a mannequin. You know, you have to really look at each piece and say, how is it going to look best to my customer? Mm-hmm. Most often it's going to look best on a person or on a mannequin. Mm-hmm. Because they can see the shape, they can see themselves, the imagination that you have as a boutique owner, you're assuming your customer has it and they don't. Yeah. And so you have to, you have to serve them in a better way and a higher level so that they can actually imagine themselves in those clothes. So really, especially if you have a brick and mortar, you have an online store, consider not doing as much flat stuff, doing more mannequins, doing more hanging things, because that's when people can really see how it gets and, and style it. Add a scarf, add a necklace, like, you know, just don't just sell a t-shirt. Like mm-hmm. it's boring. Like I'm bored. Mm-hmm. If I'm bored, you're not going to sell it. <laughs> well, it makes sense when you think of like, I love fashion, but when I go to stores that like like discount stores, like TJ Maxx or whatever. I hate shopping at places like that because you can't even feel the vibe versus if you go to a place, they have lots of mannequin displays. You're like, Oh, like I'm, it's just such a more like enjoyable shopping experience. Totally. And I think the piece of it that we have to always remember is that the average woman or man, I'm sure mm-hmm. there, you know, we have boutiques there, that are run by men. Two and- men listeners on my podcast, <laughs> but they're, they're coming. They're coming. <laughs> Um, here's the thing. 
the average woman is very stressed about shopping. She mm-hmm. has body image issues. She is in her head. She thinks she looks terrible and everything. Mm-hmm. Our job as a boutique owner is to make them feel safe, make them feel inspired and make them feel very comfortable. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because shopping that. is an uncomfortable experience for mm-hmm. many women. Mm-hmm. And I really feel that as a boutique owner, in a, in a way you are like a confidence coach, you are a mindset coach and in it, in it as part of your job. Yeah. And I think that when a person walks into the store, a person hits your website, they want to feel like, oh my gosh, this person gets me. This person understands that I don't love my arm fat. And so they have sleeves on things. They, you know, they have high-waisted jeans because, you know, my hips are a little, I'm a little curvy, you know, <laughs> it's like, and even the skinniest girl that you see still has something in her head that mm-hmm. she doesn't like. So as a boutique owner, you have to provide that safe space for women to kind of get over their body image stuff Mm-hmm. And get to the point where they feel good and excited about wearing clothes. Yeah, I never thought of that. That's like so beautiful. I love that. Okay, so you were obviously good at having a boutique. What made you decide to not have one anymore? Like, what did that process look like? And how, so how long did you have it once you went into like brick and mortar? Yeah, so I had the truck from 2011 to about the end of 2015, Mm -hmm. and I had the store from like 2013 to 2015. So I was like in the boutique game for about four, four and a half years. That's like a good Um, amount of time. It was, it felt like forever. I mean, there was a year I did 245 events with my truck. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, I mean, I was, (laughs) when I say like hustling, like, yeah. So I got tired partially. It was sort of a combination of three things. Like I was a little bit tired from selling products. Um, I just, you know, because I was in retail for, you know, combined around 12 years, it was just like, all right, like I'm kind of bored. Um, I was also at this point where I was getting emails like every other day. How are you successful? How are you going on vacations? How are you making money? I don't understand. And I had started teaching this webinar about how to run a successful mobile boutique. And a lot of people were signing up for that. And I was teaching them things like markups and ideal customer and things that I found like, how do people not know this? Yeah. But because I have a retail background, it made me very unique entering the boutique space because a lot of things that we get told at market or told in the boutique world, I just didn't buy into or didn't even know about because I come from this whole other world. I mean, I came from retail where we, we had 78, 80% margins, like, and that was expected, you know, like that was my goal. And I didn't get a bonus unless I hit that. Mm -hmm. So when people came to me and they're like, Oh, I'm marking things up 50%. I'm like, are you on drugs? Like what? Like, (laughs) wonder you're not making money. Like, Oh dear God, you know, like I was so confused and I felt like, so I just started to feel this need, like I need to help people. Mm -hmm. And so actually like one day at the end of 2014, I was like, okay, I had my whole, I had a great Christmas season. I was like, I'm taking new year's week off. And I actually took that webinar and I started to write a book. Mm. And I wrote my book in about three days, which, yeah, again, was like a total divine download. Like it just streamed out. Like I just sat at Starbucks and literally streamed out for like six to eight hours a day, just 
again, I don't know what took over my body, but it was not me. (laughs) So I wrote that book, which is now like an Amazon bestseller. I mean, we sold thousands of that book. It's so awesome. Mind blowing. Um, So that was published in March of 2015. I self-published and I just came out with a Kindle at first. I did the, uh, the, paperback came out in 2017 because people started to ask for it. Mm. So basically that was the catalyst of like me saying, you know, putting a stake in the ground and saying like, I want to help more people because I see people struggling. And it struck me as like, if not me, like who's going to help them? Like no one else that I run into had the experience I had, you know, all my corporate retail friends were still in corporate Mm -hmm. and I didn't know enough boutique owners who had come from a corporate background that I was like, wow, I'm different. And I think I can help more people. So the book started by the end of that year, I had closed my store and I was like basically ready to sell the truck. Um, and then 2016 started, I started taking clients. I was like, you know what? Like, let me start working with some one-on-one clients and start coaching. I took a coaching program about like how to launch your coaching business in like the summer of 2015. And that kind of gave me the structure of like, okay, how does this work? Like, what is this coaching world? Like, I have no, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know how to sell a service to like, you know, I could sell any, I could sell dirt to a farmer. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's a totally different game to like yeah, go from so products different. to that is so different. It was so different. And I really had to do a ton of mindset work and mm-hmm. a ton of just like understanding the online marketing world. And how, like, I just, I think in the past couple of years, I probably spent like hundred thousand dollars on courses and coaches and retreats and and trainings and strategies. Like I just, I just went all in. I was like, you know what? Like if I'm going to help people, then I need to know my stuff and I need to like really ground into this new space. So 2016 started, I took some clients by the end of, by August, I came up with this idea for a course, the six figure blueprint course, which is now like one of my signature courses still exists. I've run it eight times. We're about to run it a ninth time in about a month. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we've had like, I think 200 graduates from that program. That's crazy. It's insane. Um, It's insane because it's not a cheap course either. It's like Mm -hmm. one of my more expensive courses. And, um, but what I find is that I just, I really feel like there's plenty of room for boutiques, but boutique owners just, there's no education out there. True education. There's communities, there's training sites, but it's not a holistic approach. Like for me, my whole, my whole mantra, like what I teach is mindset, margins, and marketing. Every single problem in your boutique business comes back to one of those three things. And I know when I get a question from someone, I'll be like, oh, that's a this. That's this. <laughs> so like, I immediately remedy the problem because there's always a solution to whatever you're going through but you can't see it yet. And I find that coaching and, and I I call myself coaching and consulting because a lot of like my one-on-one clients, I do run their numbers. I look at where their inventory is at. Again, this is what I did for many years in corporate. I was Mm -hmm. a merchant running multi-million dollar businesses. So, you know, someone who's like running a, you know, $250,000 business, I'm like, okay, like we can handle this, you know, (laughs) it's like, doesn't scare me. Um, and so I really try to, to offer both sides of it where it's like, 
obviously you have to have your branding, your marketing, you know, your stuff together, but also like there's a huge math component to what you do as a boutique owner. And frankly, like it's a different kind of math. They didn't teach it to you in high school or college, unless maybe you went for retail merchandising, maybe you learned some of it, but it's a whole different way of thinking about inventory turn, price points, departments, saturation of style. Like, I mean, the things that I look at with some clients, they're just like, Oh, I didn't even (laughs) think of that. I didn't see that. Like, you know, there's so much you can see in your, your numbers and your data that I love to like open that up Mm. for my, especially my one-on-one clients and show them that, you know, you can turn a kind of small business, you know, we like, I have a client who's probably going to do almost 2 million this year, you know, and like, holy crap, like that's amazing, you know, and that's, that's, you know, doubling sales year over year, even more, you know, and it's, it's really a lot of, obviously there's a, a magic sauce that she has that like, she's just so good at branding and, and things like that. But also like a lot of her inventory stuff, we've had to really dig into like, what's working, what's not like, what are the categories that need to always be protected in terms of like having good stock in and keeping up with that. And you know, that's the stuff that I don't see anyone else really teaching that. Well, so what would you say to somebody who like is listening and they're like, I have no idea about my numbers. Like, where should they start? You know, I feel like a lot of business owners, that's what I'm, I'm working with you in like a couple weeks. I'm really excited, but I've been like scrambling and trying to get all my numbers because I do not keep track of that stuff. So where would you say is like a good place for them to start? Absolutely. I think first and foremost, you need to know how much money you're making per month how much sales revenue is coming through the door. You know, you can track that in an app like Shopify if you're using that or even your bank account. Like Mm -hmm. if you have one business bank account, you should be able to go in there and see how much came through the door, you know, Mm -hmm. um, with all your deposits and everything. That's the easiest way to look at it. I'm always going to ask you like about how much are you making per month? Mm -hmm. And if you don't know that, I'm going to shake my head because girlfriends like, you got to know how much money you're making. <laughs> yeah. Because on the flip side of it, most people are spending too much money. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea that, oh, whatever I sell, I have to replace. Like, depends. Mm-hmm. It, it, it totally depends. And people ask me all the time, like, well, how much inventory do I need? I don't know how much you're selling. Mm-hmm. Like, the math and the data that you're getting from your sales and your inventory are a fluid moving thing. It's, it's, it's like this, I always say cash flow is, is truly flow because it's coming in and it's going out Mm -hmm. and you have to make that balance in a way where you actually make money. Mm -hmm. So if you're buying a ton of inventory, you're not charging enough for it. then guess what? You might look like you're making a lot of money in terms of sales, but your profit sucks. Mm -hmm. And that's why you feel poor all the time. That's why you feel like your bank account is empty all the time, you know? And so what I really try to do is is have people at least understand uh, how much money they're making each month. So total sales revenue. And then look at how much money you're spending on inventory a month. Mm -hmm. If you're spending more on inventory than you're selling, then automatically that's a red flag to me. Mm -hmm. The other thing you've got to look at is what is your average unit retail? So how much are people uh, spending on your site? You know, the average sweet spot for boutiques is around $45 for a, an item. You know, that's again, average, but we want you to be at 45 or more. You know, I'd love people to spend at least 
$60 with you, maybe $70. You know, if someone's running between $60 and $80 for an average transaction, that makes me happy. A lot of women that own boutiques are just not charging enough. They're hanging out in the $30. So how, how can they gain the confidence to charge that? Because I know a lot, a lot of my like people are in that place where they're so scared to like yeah, charge more. Totally. And I think it's partially... First and foremost, you have to, as a boutique owner, understand that your customer has no idea what you paid for it. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing we get really stuck on is like, well, but I only paid $8 for it. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But there's also a lot of value in the fact that you had to find it. Mm -hmm. You had to have it shipped to you. You had to, oh, by the way, this whole business. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The silence. Revenue. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're discounting yourself and saying, oh, well, I only got it for that. Like, Okay, but that's just one piece of the puzzle. You have to look at the whole pie. And I, I find that, you know, for me, I teach a 3X markup. So, you know, a $10 item is retailed for at least $30. There's some other funny math in there with shipping and things like mm-hmm. that. So it's not perfect. Um, and then in margin, it would be like a 65%. Mm-hmm. Like I know as a store, you have to be at 55% maintained margins. So at the end of the year, after you've sold everything and things are marked down, you know, you've run sales, all that jazz. If you can maintain a 55% margin, you will be proud. Yep. That's, that's the bottom line. So I always say it's better to mark up a little higher and then have room to mark down. Yeah. Well, in the corporate world, we never expected to sell everything at full price. Mm. And I think a lot of women think, well, I want to sell everything at full price. Well, guess what? You're going to average out good if you can mark it up times three mm. and then sell four of it of a six pack and then, oh, two get marked down 30%. Guess what? You're going to come out ahead. You're still fine. Yeah. You're still fine. So number one is like, take into account everything else that goes into getting that product from the wholesaler to a customer. Cause that yeah. cycle is crazy and you got to charge for it. The other piece of it is go look at other stores. What are they charging? Like, first of all, you're not forever 21. You're not old. Lady. Like you're not and selling. I, like we don't want to be them. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you're putting all this effort into creating a brand that is such a reflection of like who you are at your core. And that took like, however many years you've been alive to curate this perfect brand of you. You don't want to be like a freaking old Navy or whatever. No. And here's what I'll tell you is especially if you're just starting out, cause I know you have a lot of people that are new, mm-hmm. you know, a year okay. or less in their business. The bottom line is an old Navy and a forever 21 are selling insane volume. Mm-hmm. So the amount of units they are selling is way freaking higher than you're ever going to sell in your first year. Mm-hmm. So there's no way you can charge what they charge because you won't make it up in the unit sales. Mm-hmm. So in retail, you can either charge more for items or sell more. Okay. Mm-hmm. In your first first year, you're not going to sell more. Like, let's all just be real. Like we're not going to like immediately be selling 10 packs of a style our first year in business. Mm-hmm. Like Let's take it down a notch. Mm -hmm. So even if you're just selling one pack, you've got to make as much money as you can off that one pack because that's what you're going to sell. And so you've got to realize that it's a numbers game. And if you're not doing volume, then you have to do margin, period, end of story. And people want to fight with me all the time on this. And I'm like, numbers don't lie. Yeah. 
yours. Like, it's like the last thing you can fight on. It's it's there. It's like <laughs> let's fight about your marketing. Let's fight about your font that you're choosing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm sorry, my friend, but the numbers yeah. never lie. Yeah. So no, that's it's awesome. A hard spot, though. Okay. Well, so when did you figure out the mindset part of your business? Cause like, you know, all like the strategies and everything. So when did that come in? That, so that first started in my first coaching program that I did. She mm-hmm. did a 12 week program and she did a, like, I think the first six weeks were mindset. Wow. It was a lot. And I was like, what? Who's Abraham Hicks? What's that? <laughs> and I think like, you know, I've always been a meditator. I've been meditating since I was like 17. And I've always been in kind of like the spiritual community. You know, I've always felt connected to something greater. And I, I feel like that's a little bit part of mindset too, is like mm-hmm. knowing that you don't have all the answers and mm-hmm. there's more outside of us that we don't know. Um, so I started doing a lot of money mindset work, success mindset with her starting reading some of the books, you know, the think and grow riches, the, the big leap, um, Mm -hmm. secrets of a millionaire mind, like mindset 101, you know? (laughs) Um, and that really opened my eyes. I really started to like, I started to say, Whoa, like some of the stuff that my parents had growing up is like not what I want to believe anymore. <laughs> like I started to realize I had a choice about what I believed mm-hmm. and that was like so empowering for me. Cause it was like, you know what? Like my parents are amazing and like, I kind of beat them up sometimes. Like I was raised very, like they're awesome parents. However, their parents were children of the depression. Mm-hmm. So they grew up in the depression they pass those beliefs on to my parents and I'm ready to be like, no, like I'm not buying into the, like the harder you work, the more money you make, Mm -hmm. you know? Oh, if you work hard, one of my parents things like you work hard and you know, you're a good person. You'll like, you'll get by, you know? And it's like, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to just get by. (laughs) That sounds like the worst. (laughs) That sounds very stressful to just get by. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm good. Mm -hmm. I think I really did some editing. I did a lot of mindset work. So I journaled a lot. That was huge for me. I still journal a lot. Um, I did a lot of EFT tapping. So like emotional freedom technique, which if your people don't know about, look up Brad Yates on YouTube. Brad Yates is a great starting point. Um, Tapping, it actually like eliminates these on a lot of soldiers who have PTSD, but it basically like taps into your meridian points and helps you release feelings from your body, like your physical body. So that was huge for me because I do think a lot of things get trapped in, in your physical being and I needed to release some of that. And you don't even realize, I feel like there's so many things that we don't even realize that we're thinking like subconsciously, you know? Mm-hmm, totally. And I see it in clients, like I'll see them get on this train of thought and I'm like, whoa, stop. Whoa, 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 whoa. like slow down. Mm-hmm. You're saying a lot of things that I don't actually think you believe or want, want to believe. Want, Let's to believe yeah. want to believe. So EFT was huge for me. I read a ton of books. I mean, I just literally went ham on like mindset. Like I hired a mindset coach for a while. I probably worked with her for like eight months and she just pushed me like hard. Like she would be like, why do you believe that? Like, why do you think that has to be you? You know, ask me those super hard questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I also am like a really big fan of therapy. Like I love my therapist. He really challenges me on some of my stuff around my anxiety and, you know, I'm, I'm an anxious person. And so that's something that is always this underlying stream for me. But, um, he has been really good about saying like, 
okay, like recently he said to me, I was like, I'm really, I feel like I should be anxious about this thing coming up, but I've done so much work about it and I'm not, but like, I feel like I should feel something. In that situation, I mean, I think it would be appropriate for you to be sad. And I was like, I never thought I like about like just choosing another emotion other than anxiety, like mind blowing for me. Cause I was my normal reaction to most things that kind of like throw me off is to be anxious, you know? So that was huge. I just, I think you need people in your life, friends, mostly friends. I wouldn't say family, friends, (laughs) (laughs) therapists, coaches, you know, people that can really kind of push your buttons. Cause I think the more buttons you get pushed, actually the more you grow and my mom says to me all the time she's like you're the queen of transformation Emily you're just like always like becoming a new person and I Uh think it's hard I am like I'm exhausted because I'm always up leveling and at the same time I know that the more that I come into myself the more I'm able to help more people Mm -hmm. and the more I'm able to help people have a better life help people have a better boutique and that to me is like if I can help boutique owners be better, make more money, be happier, then the ripple effect of that is so insane to my brain. They're helping all these customers. Mm-hmm. So me doing all this work helps all these boutique owners and then helps all these customers. And like suddenly my impact is greater than I can even wrap my head around. And that, I mean, that gets me like, that excites so you. yeah, like wakes me up at like, I get up in the morning and I'm like, <gasps> who am I going to help today? Like oh I get, gosh, I love that. How do you get out of a funk? So like when you're feeling that like anxiety or whatever, like a low, how do you get out of that? My biggest thing lately has been exercise, mm. moving my body. Mm. Um, I have a lot of like physical symptoms of anxiety. So I tend to like get jittery or um, like my heart. Like I just, I have all these like little mm. physical things. That's how it manifests in me. Mm. And so for me, moving that energy out of my body, sweating, even if it's like, sometimes I won't necessarily feel like exercising. <laughs> I'll go sit out in the sun, you know, and just sweat or I'll swim or I'll like, I'll either put myself in a space where I can move and release some stuff. That tends to be really good for me. Even honestly, 20 minutes on the elliptical and I'm like in a different mood. I'm like singing. I'm like, ah, like I'm so <laughs> my life, you know, um, that's been really helpful. And, you know, I think the funk thing, like, I think part of it is also not trying to find a reason for the funk, mm-hmm. just saying like, I'm having a hard day. Yeah. Like I'm going to sit and watch Netflix. Yeah. Like, and you know, one of the biggest things I find when I'm in a funk is like, I'm actually so glad when I have clients that day because there's this saying, and I don't know if you've heard it, but, uh, it says, when you get nervous, be of service. Oh, I haven't heard that. I love that. It's so good. Right. And so for me, I find that one of the biggest things that does help me shift my energy is getting on a call with a client, calling a friend, Mm. um, you know, getting myself involved in someone else's life makes me distracted from whatever my head's wrapping itself around. So exercise is huge. Being of service is huge. Um, and, and therapy, yeah. <laughs> like I was scared of therapy. Yeah. So I think, you know, all those things for me have been really good. And I don't talk about my anxiety much at this point. It's just like, I'm still kind of like working my way through it. But yeah. yeah. I think the more you're like in the public eye too, the more like 
I mean, my following has grown so much yeah. that you know, we get all these emails. Also, it's we think, hard not to get anxious, like as a business owner, you know? Yeah. yeah there's a lot to kind of worry about. Yeah. But I find that also protecting myself from a lot of things that could trigger me is like huge. So like a lot of times, like I won't go on social media on the weekends. Um, I won't respond to customer emails. So like we have a very, we have a completely separate email where any, I, I invite anyone to email us. I'm like, just, if you need it, you know, if you want to say hi, you want to suggest a podcast idea, you want to, you know, talk about something or whatever, email us over here. And I have two amazing, amazing teammates who manage that line and they'll filter things through to me that they want me to see, you know, and they'll tell me what's going on. But I think, um, I think it's really good for me to separate because I can literally read an email and spin out for hours. Yeah. It's it's like not healthy. So I have sort of that protection layer where like, I feel like they're my bodyguards and they won't. I love that. Yeah. They like know (laughs) that I have to have my energy protected and they're like, they're my first line of defense. And sometimes I wish they sent me more of the like good emails because I love them. But I definitely don't you know, have to worry about a lot of the customer stuff because as much as I love my boutique owners and I love that I have this great community, I also have to, as like the visionary for my business, as the CEO, I have to kind of stay in my zone to stay inspired and and start thinking about what's next and what are we going to talk about this week? And, you know, what are my people really struggling with? Like tapping into that collective consciousness of like, what do we need to like get on board with here? What should I Facebook live about or podcast about? And that's, you know, I have to stay in my zone. When I get out of my zone, it's a funk. And then I do all those things <laughs> I talked about. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's great advice. What would you say to somebody who is at a place in their business where they feel like they're like kind of plateaued and they're ready to up level since you're mm-hmm. the queen of up leveling? What, what would that look like? You know? Yeah, totally. I would again, check in on my three touch points. I always go back to that mindset, margins, marketing. Mm -hmm. So I would touch base on their mindset. Like where do they feel like they're blocked? I would have a conversation around like where in their life or, you know, in their business, do they need to hire more people, you know, cause they're doing too much and that's preventing them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't want to spend more money on help and like spending money on help is one of the best things I've ever done in my life. So there's a lot around that. I would say marketing wise, like where are you untapped or where are you spread too thin? Also, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think they have to be on 50 platforms. Every platform. Yeah. You don't yeah. like, you really don't. Your people are in one spot and maybe they're in a second, but you got to in the same spot most of the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing with, with margins is I would check in with what does your assortment look like? So are there places in your assortment that are doing really well, but you're not buying enough or you're not assorted, like you're not, you don't have enough styles. Mm-hmm. So maybe tops are really well for you, but you're putting money into bottoms and they're not doing as well. So you don't have enough money for tops and you don't have mm-hmm. the assort- you know, the breadth of assortment that you need. Um, so I would, I would look at those things because I think it's usually one of those three things is, is where I see. Um, and I think when you're in terms of like the up level piece of it is there's always room to grow. Like, especially in a boutique setting, there's always room to grow. Um, I don't think the market is saturated. I don't believe any of that silliness. Um, I think there's enough for everyone. And I think, again, we have a lot of people that start out 
they're kind of all over the place. And then we end up having to like liquidate all their merchandise and kind of restart with their authentic voice. You know, I've had a lot of people who come to me six, eight months in and like, they're doing okay, but are they really like living, like living their truth? Like, are they really being who they really are? Like probably not. So, you know, let's call a spade a spade. Mm-hmm. get deeper into branding, get deeper into who you are, get the assortment more aligned and then give ourselves a fresh start. I mean, I, I just want to tell anyone who feels like they're plateauing and they're not selling who they really are. You can always restart. You yeah. can always have a fresh perspective. And, and I think the more you narrow in on who you are, the more you narrow in on that customer and they can find you. That's, and that's, you know, that goes into my rebrand is like, we're, you know, I've been stylish and successful for a couple of years now. And people have been saying to me, I wish I found you sooner. And it's like so triggering because I'm like, I feel like I'm <laughs> everything. Like, how are yeah. you not finding me? You know, I'm using the hashtags and doing the Facebook lives. I have a YouTube channel. Like, Oh my gosh. But I was on my honeymoon. I read some business books because I can't get away. <laughs> and I'm sitting in Italy at this pool and it just strikes me like my name, like the name of my company doesn't make sense to who I'm trying to attract. Mm-hmm. And so in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? I train people. Okay. I train boutique owners. Okay. So my company is like a boutique training academy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, boom, like, Just oh my, and I'm like, yeah. I like yell over to Greg. I'm like, Greg, oh my gosh. You know, <laughs> immediately get it on GoDaddy, buy the domain name, you know, yes. like so crazy. And so that's where really like, I really want to have people find me sooner that mm-hmm. need me. me and too. so transforming to boutique training academy is just so much more specific about who mm-hmm. I am, who I serve, what I do and how I do it. Mm-hmm. It makes so much sense. So, you know, I've been in business four years now, like three or four years with the name Savage and Successful, which I'll still use. And, you know, there's going to be some other projects happening as we, you know, sort of separate the businesses. Um, but you know, I felt like that was so important, even though it really sucks having to start a new Instagram Mm -hmm. and, (laughs) you know, all that stuff kind of, kind of stinks, but the long-term goal is to help more boutique owners. Mm -hmm. And I have to look at the big picture Mm -hmm. and this is what needs to happen for the big picture. Mm -hmm. So it's true. Okay. Well, to take you on a different path, what would you say to somebody who, wants to do what you do, how could they up level? So somebody, cause I have like, I would say 50, 50, half of my followers are like boutique owners, half are like service-based providers. So how have you up leveled in your personal like coaching business? Totally. I tell this story a lot because I think it's truly speaks to both sides of, of who, you know, we speak to. And I mean, I'm obviously like going to help people who do what I do. Like, I'm so excited to work with you because I feel like I'm just a little farther down the path mm-hmm. than you are, you know? And so I'm excited to like, look at your business and yes. see where I'm we so are <laughs> more efficient and, yeah. you know, because your voice is important and what you teach is really important. And, you know, I feel like refining a few things and looking at things different. I always say coaching is like, you're always looking left and your coach is like, yo, look to the right. Mm. So there's stuff over there you're forgetting about, you know? So I think the biggest thing for me is I started out in 2016 when I first got those one-on-one clients. I was like, I'm going to help creative entrepreneurs. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. That was my thing. So I had a health coach, an artist, and three mobile boutiques. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you know, frankly, I could, I was helping the artist. She's, mm-hmm. she's still doing great. You know, the health coach, I helped her like start her whole website and narrow in on who her customer was. But I think for me, it wasn't until I started saying boutique owner, boutique owner, that's who I help mm-hmm. that things started to really shift and like explode for me. Mm-hmm. So I would say niche down. And I think everyone talks about this and whatever, but I, I do think that if you can serve a very specific niche of person and most likely it's like who you are, you know what I mean? Like for you, you're perfect. You help women who are creative, who are kind of wild and, you know, want to like stand out. I think that's like totally who you serve, you know? But for me, I was just writing to business owners. Mm-hmm. Like that means nothing, you know? So I started to go back in every email. So I'd, I'd write a post or I'd write an email or you know, I'd, I'd write something out and then I'd go back everywhere I wrote business, I deleted it and wrote boutique, boutique, boutique. Hello. And the more I talked about boutiques, even though boutiques could be retail stores, it could be mm-hmm. online, you know, brick and mortar, there's a lot of words I could have used, but all of those people, or in the boutique world. Mm-hmm. So once I started to use that term, everything changed. I mean, I like laugh at how big my business has become because it's like, how did I do that? <laughs> you know? And I really, I really think that the idea of niche is hammered home with so many business coaches, but, but people don't take it as seriously no. as they could. So they I don't think believe really- it for some reason, like, People want to, people still will say to me like, but I want to apply to more people. Like my ex used to always say, if you would include your marketing to men, you'd make twice as much money. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't. I should have broke up with him then. Stupid thought. Yes, girl. <laughs> you're dumb. You don't know what you're talking about. You're over. Oh my God. Yeah, but it's true. I mean, I think, you know, here's the thing. We all are big thinkers. We want to help as many people as we can. Mm -hmm. The issue is, is that when you speak to everyone, you speak to no one. And the truth of the matter, I mean, I'm, I'm quoting that from 25 other people I've heard say it, Mm -hmm. but it's really until, and I could probably show you the numbers. I mean, I was really struggling trying to just help creative people. Like Mm -hmm. it was not, my business kind of sucked like the first eight months, you know, it was like, I get a client here, I get a client there. The minute I came out with this group program is the minute boutique owners were like, Oh, she's a boot. Like, and I still don't even say like, I just started saying recently, I'm a, a mindset and business coach for boutique owners. Like, mm. duh, Emily. Like, <laughs> like, OMG, you know, but I feel like the more you can niche down, even if it feels silly or even if it feels like, I mean, I know people who are acupuncturists who only work with women who are like 35 to 45 on fertility. That's it. Wow. Right. That's so specific. Right. So you have to think about where are you on your journey? Where were you six months a year ago? And who are you? You're a, you're a 23 year old, 33 year old person who was struggling with, you know, gaining weight, struggling with your, your body or something. And then you went through this transformation and here are the tips and tools you learned. And so like, guess what? You should be helping 33 year olds who were struggling with their body image and teach them what you did. Like it's literally that simple. 
yeah. you know? And yeah, that's ideal customer. It's really, yeah. It's, it's, and it makes it so much easier to put out your content too. Like every single day when you're thinking of that ideal customer, instead of thinking, well, should I put this? This might offend this person or that like, it's like, no, you focus on that ideal person. Totally. And I feel like you're a great example of that, Kim, because like you use words that I would like never use. Like, <laughs> you know, but like you're attracting yeah. girls that say rad and like, yeah. you know, like that are just like these cool girls who like, I think that's a huge part of who you are. And I think mm-hmm. the more your listeners and clients that work with you really take it to heart that they are a unique person. They use specific words. Mm-hmm. They, you know, talk in a specific way. Like I, people say to me all the time, oh, are you from California? You sound like a Valley girl. Like you say, <laughs> like, you know, and, and I'm like, you know, I'm just who I am. Yeah. Like from Massachusetts, like I'm an East coast girl, <laughs> well-educated, but like, yeah. you know, I'm okay sounding a little cool and chill. Like, yeah that's all right with me. And I think people that like me really like me. And there's people that I trigger. There's people that don't like Mm -hmm. me and that's okay. They're going to go on their own path. They're going to find someone to work with who likes, you know, who they resonate with. And there's been a lot of people who have left my world because, you know, they just can't handle me. And it's Mm -hmm. like, whatever, the people that love me are obsessed with me. (laughs) It's like, would you rather have like a group of people who like are okay with you or a group of people who are obsessed with you and maybe some people who like decide to leave? Yeah. And you know what I'll tell you is the people that are obsessed with you won't just buy from you once. They'll buy from you every time you put something out. I mean, I have people who have literally done every program and are like, what else are you doing? I want to do it. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, like I'm at that point where I've like run out of things. And I'm like, yeah. You know? Um, but that's why we're launching this membership um, this week. We're launching Boutique Elite Academy membership. Yes. Case, tell us all more about that. We've like been talking, I could talk with you for hours, but tell us about wow. your new membership that's launching. I'm so excited. I'm excited. I, I'm mostly excited because I used to have a membership. And it just, this is the pivot piece of it. It's like, you can try something and it, it's not that it didn't work. It's just, I was like, mm, you weren't I was like very half, I just didn't love it. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't obsessed with it, even though it was a good program or lots of good things about it, whatever. We're kind of relaunching it now. And it's meant to be like a high end membership. Mm-hmm. So it's not, in a, you know, it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. It's not crazy expensive, but it's, for the person, for the boutique owner who has either taken some of my courses or who is a little bit more experienced and wants coaching from me. So it's a monthly program where every month you'll get new trainings, new exclusive podcasts. um, And then you'll get twice a month in our Facebook group, you'll get a live coaching session with me. So like Q and a over Facebook live. And then the, the next or like two weeks later, I'll do a talk or a training. So I call it a talk because sometimes it might be like a mindset talk mm. or, you know, I really want to do one about like deeper into finances and oh, yeah. looking at that stuff. So I really, I want it to be for someone who maybe has grown out of a course or who it, a course isn't quite right for them, but they still want my support and they still want my coaching. They want me to be a part of their business. Um, and maybe they're not ready for you know, my one-on-one is not cheap, you know, and I really don't take many clients, um, one-on-one anymore because I'm just like tapped out for time, you know? So the membership is a great way to work with me in a way that feels like you're getting what you need from me, but I'm not like 
there isn't a huge time commitment for you. And also we have all these trainings. Like I have so many, my, I have a new woman that works for me and she's been getting the program ready with me. And she's like, Emily, where, when did you do all these trainings? Oh, in like my first two years in business, I would just be like, oh, people are worried about this. Let me do an hour. Oh my gosh. Hour long trainings with like, oh my gosh. Who was I? I'm like, I'm fired. <laughs> like, you know, really, really thorough trainings and mindset Whoa. margin marketing, the whole gamut. You know, I talk about inventory management, I talk about social media trainings, I talk about visual merchandising, branding, you know, all not as in depth as you talk about branding, but. Um, the membership for me is this way of really seeing connected with women who want to stay connected with me, who are like sick of listening. You know, they've listened to all my podcasts. They rewatch all my YouTube videos are like, what else you got? I'm like ready for more. And it's a way that I can stay kind of current and connected because really, and this is a tip for anyone who's in like the expert space for you is there's only so much you can give away for free before you're like, I'm over it. Like mm-hmm. I can't help everyone. They've got to just sign up for freaking something, you well, know, because nobody takes it seriously when it's free, when you're nope. giving away all this free information, no one takes it. No one, because why it's, it's always there. They could always apply it to their business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a certain amount that you can give away for free. But one of the things I've started implementing as of like July 1st is on my Facebook lives. Cause that's what like kind of got me to be famous, I guess. Or like, <laughs> that's yeah. what grew me is like, I'm great on video. So I was just like, I'm good at that. So that's another tip for your people is what are you good at? Do more of that. Do it. So yeah. if you're really good. Like you're really good speaking and you're really good on video, like use your voice Mm -hmm. as many places as you can. So for me, I'm really good at video. So, um, Facebook live has always been my medium of choice. And so a lot of times on the Facebook lives, I wouldn't end up on there for like an hour and a half answering a bunch of questions Mm -hmm. for free. And I was just, I'd get off and I'd have a headache. I'd be tired. Like, I'm just like, I'm just tapped out. And so now I only go on Facebook live to teach And then people can ask questions about my programs. Mm. So at the end, I'll always talk about, hey, this is the program we're promoting. Hey, this is what's happening. Do you have questions about that? Mm -hmm. People post questions about other things because they will. (laughs) I just don't answer it. You know, that's another boundary in your business that you've set. Yeah. Cause you know, I value my health above anything else. You know, I'm like not the young spring chicken. I used to be. <laughs> so, you know, I really, I appreciate my sleep. I appreciate my downtime. And I think when you get to the point where you can step away from your business more and more, the more inspired you get. I mean, like you and I both love to travel and mm-hmm. I think a lot of inspiration comes from traveling and, and, going outside your box and like knowing that there's a bigger world out there. So when you're really in your power as a CEO, it's so important to respect the boundaries of, I don't do customer service anymore. I don't, you know, I don't welcome people into my Facebook group. Like, you know, there's, there's people that are happy to do that for you that aren't that expensive that want to support you. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's a block. So many business owners period have is, well, no one can do it as good as I can. Well, guess what? There are people that do it better than you. My team is better than me at a lot of things. (laughs) And I'm cool with that because I'm done. Like I'm tired. (laughs) I've been an entrepreneur for almost (laughs) nine years. Like I'm exhausted. Yeah. On top of like also doing like heavy New York fashion jobs. So yeah, I can imagine. 
I'm not old. That old but, month. No, you were not old. No, I'm not that old, but um, but no, but like You've I mean, done a lot. That's what's like yeah. cool about it. It's like you're not that old, and you have like all this experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna be 37 this year, and it's just like I did not know you. You do not look that old. I would have never guessed. That. <laughs> I know. I, like, I use a lot of good like space. <laughs> Um, I like, you know, part of it is like staying young in terms of your mindset and like Mm -hmm. staying up with what's going on in fashion. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my husband's like, and I are both like that. We're like, I don't think we'll ever age because we're just like, we want to know what's cool. Yeah. We'll always like be on top of, because that's who we are, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, but I think that, you know, the older, you know, I'm ready to be like, I said to Greg, I was like, can we just like buy a house and go to Hawaii for two weeks every year? (laughs) be a boring because honestly and I haven't even talked I mean I could obviously talk to you for hours and hours but when I was starting my consulting business we we got rid of our apartment and traveled full time for like really yeah we were living in Europe and Central America like you know we we didn't have like a place to live we just lived out of suitcases and we crashed at like one of our parents house and we came home and like then we got engaged and I was like all right like can you just get an apartment? Yeah. I don't, I don't think I could do that. After like a week of traveling, I'm like my space. I like need my grounded yeah. area. I'm like that now. I'm very like, we've been, this month has been kind of funny where like my husband's been at a poetry masterclass all month at a college and, and I've been kind of bouncing between like my parents and seeing him and being, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, today I woke up and I was like, I just need my you bed. space. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's, I've done a lot, but you know, here's the thing is I think that if there's anything for your listeners to take away is like the the possibilities for your life are endless, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, I have stumbled into a lot of things, you know, my sister always says to me, you know, you just run off a cliff and somehow you (laughs) (laughs) doesn't understand it at all. But I think, you know, having a positive attitude and, and trusting that everything's working out for you, Mm -hmm. like that's the thing is like part of that anxiety and that like that mindset work is really like you just you got to be your own biggest cheerleader mm-hmm. first and foremost you have to be the one who believes so deeply in your success that and and not worrying about how the success manifests like knowing that it's going to work out somehow like mm-hmm. there were days where i had eight dollars in my bank account and i was like shit you know? <laughs> but yeah i had a deep deep knowing mm-hmm. that I was going to be okay. Like mm-hmm. that I could figure this out. Cause like I said, I could go babysit or I could mm-hmm. walk a dog or I could, you know, they're like, I am, nothing is beneath me for making money at this point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? People see me as being successful and having all this stuff, but like, I am still the first person where if I'm in town, I'll text some friends and say, Hey, you need a babysitter? Like mm-hmm. I'm around, you know, <laughs> like I am happy to hang out with your kids. So mm-hmm. You know, I think you just have to be willing to patch some things together and be willing to make some sacrifices, you know, living with your 90 year old grandmother and your parents, like <laughs> why the heck not? I mean, it was, it was actually a great experience because my grandmother, we got really close and she Aww. would like make me look at all of it. She'd be like, what jewelry did you get this week? <laughs> so, That's adorable. Yeah. But I think just being open to where life takes you because it's not a straight path no. and like following your gut, trusting your intuition, like all that stuff. And I'm sure in 10 years, you know, I'll have a whole different spiel, but (laughs) I think at this point it's really like trust your gut and, Mm -hmm. and know that if there's something you're thinking about and something that keeps gnawing at your gut, like I should do this, I should do this. Like 
just start taking small steps. Mm -hmm. Like the small steps add up to big steps. That's the, the myth of all this is that it happens overnight and I'm nine years in and then girlfriend, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like, even with your like fashion truck, it wasn't like one day you decided to do it. And then you went and took out the loan. You were taking those small steps. You were doing the mood boards. You were sketching. You were like, it definitely is a way longer process than people see from the outside. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think my big thing lately I've been talking about is patience and consistency. Mm-hmm. You have to be consistent showing up and you mm-hmm. have to just be freaking patient. Mm-hmm. Like things do, I, I like say it about, you know, I was talking about something like last night where I was like, you know, it's like weight loss. We think like, oh, we're going to take this pill or drink the shake and like suddenly we lose 60 pounds. And like, it's just like, yeah, that's happen. nothing happens overnight people. Like it's just, it's not a thing. A mm-hmm. business, you know, life-wise, like you don't meet a guy and get married the next day. And if you do, like, be careful. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, that's the thing. Yeah. So yeah. In this world, you know, like I didn't grow up with social media. Like I'm enough older that like I had my first cell phone, like in college, like as a sophomore, I think, mm-hmm. you know, I had like a little Nokia <laughs> and like the one you have, I think someone, you have like a the Nokia phone in a graphic or something. Oh, Lexi. I did a graphic for Lexi yeah. that has it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, Oh, like that was my first cell phone. And it was like a big deal that I had it. And so I just, I think nowadays things move so much quicker mm-hmm. and because we can communicate so much faster and we're so used to just like so much information all the time, our brain thinks we have to work faster when in reality, like it doesn't have to go fast. It's taking me a year to do this rebrand. Yeah. And like, I'm not upset about it. Like, yeah, it can go as like slow as you want it to. There's no one saying you have to like be on this fast track. No. And if anyone tells you that, don't listen to that. <laughs> if anyone says to you, oh, I can change your business overnight. No, like mm-hmm. I will never guarantee that. I will never say that. I will say the work you do with me will transform you mm-hmm. and the effects will last for a while. Like I do believe that like the work you do now affects what happens in three to six months. Totally, you know? yeah. But I don't think there's always that immediate, like, mm-hmm. genie in a bottle, like, snap and we're, you know, doing something It would be nice if, if that was a thing, but. <laughs> it would be really nice. But, but that's the other thing is I think that weeds out the people that are serious. Yeah. And, like, not everyone's caught out to be an entrepreneur. Trust oh. me. I'm trying to make everyone in my life an entrepreneur. <laughs> at some point. Have you done that yet? Yes. Yes, of course. And you know what? Like my sister's a great example. Like she's super smart. She has lots of talent, like talents that I'm like, oh my God, Jill, you should do a podcast about this. Oh my God, we could sell a free thing of this and da da. And she's like, you know, Emily, I'm fine in my professor job. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to go to my job and have kids and just do my professor job. Yeah. And that's fine. That's like great. I mean, that's a perfect life yeah. for her. It's not yeah. for me. But it's great for her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like if that's what you want. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the thing is like not everyone's cut out to be an entrepreneur. So don't also feel bad if you never want to become a full-time yeah. entrepreneur. You could do something as a side hustle for a long time and it could just pay for vacation. Supplemental. Or- yeah. Yeah. Who cares? I'm a strong believer in that. Like if you want the security of like a regular job, if that feels good to you, make a couple thousand extra dollars a month and yeah, go on a vacation. Buy that bag you want. Yeah. Yeah. Go to Gucci with some cash. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Where can people find you? 
So are you like changing your Instagram and everything? If they want to hear more about you and you have an amazing podcast that every single business owner, not even just boutiques, like I listen to it and it's so valuable and I have no sort of boutique. Yes. I love my podcast. My my podcast is a labor of love at this point because as you know, it's podcasts are hard. Yeah. It's a lot of work, but you can find me in a whole bunch of places. Honestly, if you just Google my name um, or like Emily Benson Boutique, like I should come up very come easily. Um, I have, so I have everything from a book to courses to my podcast to a YouTube channel. So everything should and could be found at boutiquetrainingacademy.com. That's where, is, that's going to house all of my boutique centric stuff. Um, and so we have the IG for that, you know, the Facebook page will change, um, to all boutique training Academy and then the stylish and successful piece. So stylish and successful.com, my IG stylish and successful longest business name ever. With so <laughs> um, that is going to basically house my transformational business consulting. Oh yes. Yeah. So that's been something, again, I've been working on that for about 14 months, 15 months, putting that together. And, you know, it's just a timing thing. Like I want to make sure my boutique people are set up, supported. We have system structures so I can step away a little bit. You know, everything should look and feel the same as it always has, but I should be able to spend a little less time in the weeds over there. And then I'm going to be starting to coach more people on how to run the business like I have, like, and helping you is like, you know, really good research for me because, you know, I kind of have developed my system and I have been working through the pieces and parts of how did I do what I've done? Mm-hmm. Um, what have been the most important things and, and trying to make that something that's duplicatable for another yeah. person coming at me. So yeah, so that will be kind of launching this fall. Like I'm going to do some beta testing and yeah, that's, Crazy. I'm excited for you. I'm like so pumped because, you know, this is where you just think like, I have so many books in me. I have so many, like I have another podcast in me. I have more events in me. And, you know, once you get started and once you're feeling confident, it's like, man, like I just, you know, people are like, do you ever think you'll not be an entrepreneur? And it's like, oh no. Like, yeah, you can't like even imagine. Oh no, like I think I'd throw up if someone was like, You gotta be at work at nine AM like <laughs> Oh my god, no way, you know. So, you know, I, I was lucky to have a lot of support along the way and I was really lucky, you know, I have like amazing family, I have amazing friends and I think, you know, if there's anything going forward, it's just like I just wanna make a bigger impact and I just wanna be of more service to women and men, you know, frankly, I can, we have men in our programs. Um, but I think, I think women, especially, I think, you know, it's feminine uprising at this point and, you know, we owe it to our fellow women to like stand up and help them live their best lives, Oprah style, you know? So yeah, so a lot of changes, but all like so exciting and so like, I know. I just, I'm ready for some, I'm ready to talk about some new stuff. So yeah. I love my boutiques. I always will. Um, but I'm excited to like add more. So yeah, that will be so cool. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on. And I feel like we could do five more episodes. <laughs> we should do five more episodes. I mean, I want to have you on my podcast. Yes. Like, yes. 
Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today. You're welcome. Okay. Bye.